Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb, and we have a special episode. Uh, it's been a while, a long, long while since we've done a bonus episode, and last week we talked about how we were going to do Sealed this week, and we are still going to do that, so that means you get two episodes because we had a massive BNR update this this day, this fine Monday morning. Largest one in history I, be, I mean I, I can't think of anything that hit so many formats so drastically ever long time coming I would say that that's kind of going to be my overarching theme of this announcement I am positive about virtually every single change that was made it's just the if I'm going to complain and I am because you know that's that's what we do I'm going to complain about how long it took to do some of this. It's, it all seems very obvious in a lot of ways, but I'm glad we got to the right place now and we want to talk about each of these changes and kind of unpack what it means for the future of these formats. Yeah, I'm curious now as to whether or not this is actually the largest one. I feel like it kind of has to be. You would think I would have some at least inkling of something that could compete with it. And the only thing that immediately comes to mind is like Affinity Era stuff, but those were like, you know, five or six cards at a time. They... I guess for maybe a single format, this may not be the largest ban announcement ever, but certainly at once hitting all these formats, nothing compares to it. Right. Uh, Do you care to unpack or at least attempt to unpack why some of these things took so long? Well, uh, I I mean, they, they offered a reason in this announcement. They... I'll get the exact words. I do have the announcement in front of me, so I want to, you know, be sure to quote as accurately as I can. But what it says under this section of format changes is throughout the past year, with pandemic conditions resulting in fewer high-level tabletop tournaments, we correspondingly slowed the pace of banned and restricted list changes in non-rotating formats. Recent community discussion has made it clear that many fans of those formats are interested in seeing shakeups to those metagames. Today's changes represent us taking a close look at each of historic, pioneer, modern, legacy, and vintage, and responding to both play data and community feedback. So there, there's the offered reason as to why. Two things. You cannot cite like the, the high amount of online play leading to formats being figured out at a rapid pace and then say that, well, since there are no live tournaments, we're slowing the pace of the BNR because all the, the play is online. Mm-hmm. That seems weird to me. Agreed. And... Second thing is they cite recent community discussion. I don't think that this is recent. So it's like, yes, technically they offer a paragraph as to why all of these changes are happening, but I, it it still doesn't explain it to me. You know, I, I think what this actually translates to is fewer people cared. Like you're not worried about maintaining the health of, in play programs for like FNM and you know, that drives a lot of sales and a lot of community engagement. So certainly I think things like that stay on their radar. I know FNM attendance is something they've tracked and mentioned tracking in the past. Yep. So I, I could see that being a data point that they're missing on and just being like, well, we don't want to, you know, overreact to the more vocal online player base. And the online player base is certainly more vocal. That's, that's extremely true. But part of the reason they're more vocal is because they're, more passionate and more plugged in. Like if you're going to take the step to play on Magic Online, which 
I, I want to bash right now, but actually playing a bunch of sealed this week, I, I just love Magic Online. It's, it's so much better than Arena. I enjoy it in every <laughs> single way possible. Uh, and I'm, I'm tired of resisting it. It's just, no, all the Zoomers are the ones on, the ma- on Magic Online at this point. I don't know what happened where it's all the kids playing Magic Online, but that really is the case. It's because it's anyway. they have more PTQs. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And then like they don't more get to big play, tournaments. They don't get to play the PTs anyway. But still, love Magic Online, and I, I think serving that community was in their best interest. I they just waited too long to address this stuff. You can you can present that reason. I understand that it, it may be accurate. Like I understand that driving perception, but I, I think it's really unfair that, that a very dedicated dedicated group of players suffered through a period where like we all needed something. We wanted something to cling to. And like imagine being modern player who just loves modern with all your heart and seeing what the format has been over the past year. And, you know, I I know my legacy friends certainly feeling the same way. And the legacy player base is so enfranchised, so passionate about their format and have have just suffered through nonsense for an extended period. They waited too long. And I hope that the sweepiness of these changes points to a future where they don't do that again and they are more aggressive. And I, I mean... I'm sure a response differs to this in various communities, like more casual communities are always seem to be more affected about loss of value. Whereas the more enfranchised communities are just like, yes, fix my format. I don't care what it costs. So there's right. going to be a, there's going to be a split reaction to this. There's always going to be that kind of reaction to bands, but I hope the vocal side being very positive about this influences future decisions. And we see uh, a heavier hand, I guess, with these older formats, especially with Modern Horizons 2 on the horizon. I just can't shake this feeling that like every single set has been Modern Horizons since Modern Horizons. And how do you say we're looking to push power level when you couldn't do that at the baseline level? Like you you just misevaluated that safe power level over and over and over over the past year. And this is the result. Now, this kind of... If my understanding of development cycles is right, this kind of falls in the area where there started being some backlash to a lot of the mistakes. So maybe the reins were pulled in a little bit. But also imagine if like this was designed contemporaneously with Throne of Eldraine and you're saying, well, here's our standard set. We have to make sure we do more than Throne of Eldraine did for these eternal formats. Like, how could you possibly have that goal? It's just it can't be done without just destroying everything. So I, I am very trepidatious about that set and what's to come. Well, fingers crossed, I suppose. Uh, You want to just get into it? Let's do it. All right. Historic. Omnath, Locus of Creation, is banned. Uh, It was suspended previously, and Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, went straight to banned, and the the rationale there was that they they had a high confidence level that they didn't have to suspend it first. And it's like, okay, good, great. Agreed. My confidence level is also high. Yep. This this helps for sure. Uh, Saltai was kind of like the de facto best deck for a large portion, and there have been you know some things that have happened to the metagame, you know things like Gruul kind of mm-hmm. rise in popularity or whatever. But this should th- shake things up a decent amount. I don't know if this means that the sacrifice decks are going to be a little too strong. I mean, I, I think that they typically struggled with like very heavy aggression before uh, you could take steps in like your deck building and everything to compensate for that. And maybe without having to deal with like Nissa, Yashar and stuff like that, maybe you have the deck space to actually account for that sort of stuff. So mm. 
it will be interesting, but I don't know. Maybe maybe this doesn't fix all the problems. So I hate that I'm I'm only going to make this point once, and it applies to every format where Uro is banned. Uro is such a devastating card to so many things. Like there's so many states of game that you can't build your deck to reach when Uro exists, be it hyper aggression earlier, like using burn spells to pressure your life total, or be it inevitability and thinking like, I'm going to control all of your threats, or there's just so many ways that Uro influences gameplay that removing it, it's it's not as simple as, oh, the Uro decks are gone, so maybe this deck is good. It actually opens up an entire new subset of decks that you simply couldn't consider because Uro existed as a card. So it's really hard for me to say, oh, the historic format moves in this direction because like the easy week one movement is yes, these obvious decks get better, but the week two movement, the week three movement, the week four movement, that's when you can start to open up some of the space that was just completely shut down by Uro. And it's always been my beef with Uro is just like how much gameplay it actually prevents you from even considering. Like it's just not a valid option anymore. So you chop off Uro and I think the snowball effect is it can't be any more massive. Uro is restrictive in a way that magic cards typically are not. And I think step one is Rakdos gets better, but steps two and three are way more complicated than that. And I don't even have a shot at what rises up now. Yeah. Historic is a big format too. And there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that have been on the cusp before and without a deck like Saltai or a card like Uro in the mix, we might see, new things that were not playable before become tier one. I definitely agree with that. And then we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah. I I wish I had something more pointed to be like, Oh, this deck is good. Now I I don't really have that in this instance just because the ripples are so huge. And I want to see it play out a little bit more before I comment on what historic is going to look like. Also, I've been a little checked out of the format recently. And I, I think the majority of the player base has been too. I think a lot of the player base, at least that I speak with stepped away from the format because Uro was so oppressive. And it, again, Uro's win percentage it oscillated. Like there were times where Sultai looked like a very ordinary deck or four color control, like a very ordinary deck, nothing all that oppressive, but it's less about what Uro was able to do in decks and what decks Uro prevented from even existing in the first place, because those decks would just shut them out of the format. Yeah. One of the things I really dislike is going strictly off of win rate Mm -hmm. because certainly the play patterns with the card that's involved and, like you said, the fact that Uro basically soft banned a bunch of cards and strategies and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, maybe Saltai only wins 40% of the time for this three-week period or something. But the effects that it's having, like the negative effects that it's having on the format are worthy of a ban regardless of win rate, right? And like you said, it oscillates. Like eventually it's going to circle back around and like, you know, Saltai is going to be 60% or something. Uh, or there's going to be a new Uro deck that is doing yep. very, very well and stuff like that. Paradox it's, it's, Engine a few weeks ago, like it, it had its moment using Uro and yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly that. And it, it helped that deck a lot. It solved a lot of the problems that it had just by, you know, okay, well, we're, we're playing Emery, so we get to play three free Uros in our deck and just pick up a bunch of percentage points where we'd be struggling. Uh, so the fact that it exists has like long-term negative effects on formats regardless of win rate in the current best iteration of that card. 
Yeah. So one of the the points I made about bannings a few months ago in one of the many, many pieces of content I have made about bands is that I, I do wish the focus would stop being about this deck is good and more about this card is problematic. I think that's how you fix a lot of what's going on. And it, it's, it has a lot more to do with this play pattern isn't good long term. This isn't sustainable. This isn't enjoyable. And if you start looking in that direction, I mean, this decision becomes obvious and it becomes obvious in every format. Like the things that made Uro problematic and standard weren't necessarily its power level. And it's funny to say because it is an incredibly powerful card, but that's not really what doomed this card's success. And it's what makes it interesting to me that there is one format where Uro avoided the ban today. And I, I definitely want to make sure we touch on that once we come around to Legacy. But I'll save that for when we get there. Yeah. Pioneer, I think we will probably only do briefly. Uh, Balustrade Spy, Undercity Informer, Teferi Time Raveler, Uro, and Wilderness Reclamation all banned. The Oops All Spells deck seemed like ludicrously overpowered for that format. And yeah. if if Teferi gets banned, that means that Wilderness Reclamation is going to be very good. So then that gets the X2, and Wilderness Reclamation was just all the control decks, basically. Uh, you know, there's like Sultine Teamer for a little bit, and now there were like World Tree combo kill decks and stuff yep. like that. So that was the the big enabler. And then obviously Euro's gone too. So this format is very different. Completely different. I, I mean, overhauled here though, I, I can point to a deck which like I already thought was very good. And that's Mono Green Devotion, the, the Planeswalker soup type deal. Uh, I, I think that deck was already extremely powerful. These are just some of its chief adversaries being taken out of the format. So a, a very easy week one for me is just play that deck because it it survived, it made it through safely. I still think In Search of Greatness has potential there. And I have, have no reason to move away from that as my favorite pioneer strategy right now. As far as like the quality of these bands, oops, all spells was unquestionably problematic for the format. Or it was the same thing I mentioned previously. Teferi is such a weird one because I, I think that the control decks in the format do need some level of subsidization from Teferi to be good. And if you've played any like blue-white control in Pioneer, you'd know the difference between having a Teferi Time Raveler and not having a Teferi Time Raveler. But the problem is they weren't actually good, right? Like they, they used Teferi and they still weren't getting to a place where they were able to control everything going on around them. And they're miserable to play against. So again, going back to my theory that like, just take out problematic cards, don't worry about whether they're winning or losing. And then you have more space to design in the future to make these Azorius control decks into something more promising. You know, like they picked up Doomscar and I don't even know if that's something they're necessarily interested in, but I'd rather have them evolve from future printings and have them reliant on cards that we all hated in the past to subsidize right. their existence in the format. Like let them have time to naturally grow and just get rid of the problematic stuff. So while this Teferi Time Raveler band is one that doesn't make sense by traditional metrics, I still really like it for the Pioneer format. In the Pioneer portion, they state, we're taking this opportunity to ban Teferi Time Raveler and Wilderness Reclamation from Pioneer as cards that previously overstayed their welcome in standard. So it seems like now they're they're just cleaning house on all this stuff that Wilderness Reclamation, all that sort of stuff, just like moved backwards from like format to format, right? Yes. It was like, oh, we figured out a busted version in standard. Let's port it to historic. Okay, well, we figured out that version. Let's port it to Pioneer. And all of those formats just kind of ended up 
looking the same and having that same sort of like degenerate feel and yes. did not feel that much different from each other. So this strikes me as like, well, we we don't like what this format is becoming because it's basically, you know, the, the, the worst shitty, of standard as opposed to the best of standard. Right. The, the shitty version of like what standard used to be. Uh, they go on to say, removing Teferi Time Raveler will have the added benefit of lowering the power level of Niv to Light decks, which were among the most played and most winning archetypes. Without Teferi to hold them in check, we're concerned the metagame share of Wilderness Reclamation decks would rise, so we're choosing to preempt that outcome. So I think the most important part is just like, these cards sucked in Standard and now they're sucking in Pioneer, but then they cite banning Teferi as a way to nerf the Niv Mizzet decks, which is like... Okay, fine, but like that's you know probably not the card that you necessarily would would ban unless you're trying to tick off like three percent or something. Right. So it's it, it's like the the softest nerf imaginable, right? Yeah, I think so. But but a good one. Like I, I'm I'm glad that that catches a little splash damage, and I, and I agree that it's probably worth preserving. Like I think it does some cool stuff where it's net positive to have it be part of the format when it's not doing things like relying on you know, Arkham's Astrolabe and Modern and other problematic right. cards. If, if it's playing reasonable cards, I like having that deck around. It, I it's fun, it. it's splashy, it's big. So that's a good goal. I, I like that. And you said something really important. For for all my beefs about these formats over the past year, none has been more painful than the uniformity. It's like, oh, I want to get away from Uro, so I'll go where? Nowhere. <laughs> Absolutely <Vintage>. nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just it's just not possible so and and that's what always has been a saving grace throughout my time with magic is that if this format is bad i'll just go somewhere else it doesn't really matter but you're exactly right they all felt the same so taking some steps to give them points of differentiation is also a really big thing a really wise thing and one that i'm glad they're acknowledging here yep uh moving on to modern let's do it field of the dead mystic sanctuary simian spirit guide tybalt's trickery Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, all banned. Simeon Spirit Guide has been on my personal watch list for a while. Yep. And it is weird. Well, I guess also should mention that there is a rules change uh, with Cascade coming alongside this, which means that you can only Cascade, or you can Cascade into the, the card like a Valky, but you can only cast the Valky part if it meets the criteria. Yep. And uh, this is probably how it should have always worked. I understand yes. like to, to me, this reads as like you try and make the rule as lean as possible. You don't want it to be overly wordy. So it's easier to grok. And then you realize leaving out this kind of seemingly obvious clause has led to some problems. So just put it in. And this is, this is clean. This is elegant. It doesn't make it feel like you've changed cascade. It's not like the companion nerf, right? Where you're, making the card do something different. I, I think this is how you actually expect Cascade to work. So this is an excellent change and probably one that's a long time coming. Yeah, so I'm reading the Cascade rules, like the old the old text. Mm -hmm. So it used to be you may cast that card and now it's cast that spell. So I think I think the old Cascade like rules text was just a, a little weird. Like I, I think it's normal to refer to like a thing as a card, but like, okay, well now what happens when there are two cards on a card, right? So that, that seems to be the problem. Yeah. So I, I thought it was that they added, I, I could be wrong. So it's fine. If you just have to correct me here, 
I, I thought the part that was added was that you may cast that spell without paying its mana cost if its converted mana cost is less than this spell's converted mana cost. Oh, maybe. I, th- I think what it previously said is that you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost because what it did is it checked the converted mana cost in the first step. You exiled the cards from the top of your library until you exiled an online card whose converted mana cost is less than the spell's converted mana cost. So why would you check again, right? You already did that check once. I, I think yeah. what happened is there's a second check added here to make sure the spell you're actually putting onto the stack still retains that lower converted mana cost. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, either way... The, the thing that caught my eye was like, you may play that. So now it's, you may cast that spell before it was, you may cast that card. Interesting. Interesting. So I don't know. Now it seems like there are two things that is telling you like, Hey, this, this crap doesn't work. Yeah. And, and good. Like make it, make yes. it work how it's, in, it's intended. No, no beef here whatsoever. Right. Yeah. For, for the most part, I feel like this is just a thing that came up where it was like, well, we have this old mechanic and now it just kind of breaks with this new mechanic with this very specific card. Right. Yeah, but this is and this is how I want modern to break. Like I, I think it should occasionally break that way because if you're designing around preventing these things, you're closing off a lot of what you could do in the standard space. But you just have to fix it right away, and they did here. So fine, I, I don't care if you print, you know, Valky and make it a really interesting standard card, which I think it is, and it destroys my modern if you act immediately. Like you can have one week of goofiness, and I'm not mad at you. So Cascade gets changed. Tybalt's trickery is banned. Simeon Spirit Guide still gets banned, question mark. No, I I don't have a question mark there. I mean, a Simeon Spirit Guide has outlived its, its, its lifespan by a tremendous, tremendous margin. Like, I think you could make a good case that when you're doing that first run of things, you're better off putting Simeon Spirit, Simeon Spirit Guide on there than like Chrome Mox. Simeon Spirit Guide is way more degenerate than that card is. So I... I, I don't really understand how it made it as long as it did. This always felt to me like the card that was going to fall at some point. And I, I do think there's a tension in modern where you want to pay longtime uh, devotees of the of the format. And like there's the ad nauseum players who really love ad nauseum. Like that is a very, very passionate group of deck adherents. They, they love their ad nauseum decks. They've played it for years now. So Huge hit there for Ad Nauseum. I'm sorry. Pour one out for Ad Nauseum players. Andrew Brown, I, I know this must have pained you, but it, it had to be done. He did it. He did it. Yeah. Just blame Andrew. Yeah, it had to be done. I just think it is strange. I mean, they they do give an explanation, of course, but it's like, all right, you know, Simeon Spirit Guide is very clearly a problem from looking at the stuff revolving around Cascade, and they fix Cascade by changing the rule and removing Tybalt's trickery, but then still chose to ban Simeon Spirit Guide, which for the long time had, like I said, it's on my personal watch list is a thing that is like, this has to go eventually, right? So like, why do we necessarily wait around for it to break before we remove it versus just getting rid of it now? You know, I mean, things like uh, Metamorphose, I think are just on that list, right? Yep. Yeah, Um, I, I agree with you. But... They cite, you know, the the Oops All Spells deck, the Char Belcher uh, type of stuff as another thing that was like kind of problematic with Simeon Spirit Guide. So it's like, I, I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, we want to nerf the Oops decks in modern as well. So much as like, well, this card is clearly going to cause problems and like now it's very apparent. Yeah, I, I think Oops All Spells is just shorthand for every stupid deck that has appeared over the last five years. Like they they almost sure. always default to some kind of Simeon Spirit Guide setup. 
and trying to keep it brief in a very large announcement, you're not going to list them all. But certainly if you went through the most degenerate things that have happened in modern over the last five years, basically all of them go to Simeon Spirit Guide. So no beef here. Uh, a, a painful loss for a lot of people, I'm sure. And, you know, I, maybe we're glossing over that point a lot of in a lot of this discussion, a lot of these are going to be painful changes. And I, I do always, always, always feel bad for people who have invested a lot into the game and are on limited funds in a lot of instances and use those limited funds to be like, well, here's my modern deck that I love. At least I have this and I can always go to FNM and play. And you've had that taken away from you now. And I, I don't want to downplay that. That really is a huge, huge cost. But it's the reason why, like, you, you can't throw good money after bad, right? Like once you've made the mistake, you still have to fix it. And it's why it's so important not to make the mistake in the first place. Like, yes, exactly. That, that's why there's always the onus on getting the cards designed right the first time. And it's an impossible, hard job, but it's why it's important to do. Yeah, uh, if if you decided to, you know, move all in and spend all your funds purchasing a Cascade deck, bad news. But for the longtime modern folks, I think that this is a net positive for them because it does unban a sizable portion of their collection. Yes, yeah. For every so, for every loser, there's a winner for sure. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I still feel bad for the losers, but uh, of on the whole, modern doing better. Yeah, and then the other side of, of this announcement, it's like, okay, well, we get rid of the the turn two combo decks, right? On the other side of it is banning Mystic Sanctuary and Field of the Dead, which right, is really the funny. the slowest cards possible. <laughs> yeah, but it just, it, it kind of goes to show like how many problems Modern was facing, right? It's like yep. decks were yep. coming at you from all sorts of different angles and there wasn't really a sweet spot for any sort of like mid-game deck to be enabled or thrive or anything because either you're getting killed on turn two or the control decks are just completely taking over by like turn five, turn six with these lands that are just, you know, low opportunity costs to build around. So things like Jund, right? We've already seen a bunch of Jund lovers, Jund aficionados, you know, be very excited on Twitter and stuff like that. And I, I think they're right. You know, like now you actually have a reason to, try and play like more of an attrition based mid rangey grindy deck. Yeah, these these are ones that are a little tougher for me to swallow because I I do think they were subsidizing these long game decks that I tend to like to play, but they were doing too good of a job at it. And yeah, I I don't think the way to subsidize control decks in modern is through their lands. That's no. like it's like you said opportunity cost is everything and letting them win the game via their mana base is you you don't want to pinch down their win conditions you want to give them more efficient control tools i think that's how you make them interesting in this space and a good job was done of that with force of negation I, i think that was a good first step in that goal and and like these are the things that modern horizons can achieve really well and if, if you're thoughtful about it and clear on your goals, I, I do think you can subsidize decks like Control in a way that is more healthy for gameplay and you couldn't do in standard because it would break things. So that's what I'll be watching for. Can you actually use this space to do useful things? But this this one, like I said, hard to swallow, but I still think correct. I, I have to give give the leaning in that direction, even if I like this style of gameplay. I also like the the focus on controlling lands as like a a baseline because it, whether people wanted to or not, it forced them to account for some other more degenerate things like say amulet or 
Tron. I think those decks were really forced out because there was a focus on Field of the Dead and Mystic Sanctuary, so you very rarely saw those things. I think those things could come back in fairly large numbers, although not to say like Field of the Dead isn't a huge loss for Amulet. It definitely is. But but there's other things those decks can do now that these insane predators aren't lurking in the corner, and I'll be interested to see how that evolves. But like all the other formats, this is just a huge, huge amount of stuff to unpack. And then the other thing is, of course, Euroban, which now opens up a very aggressive angle that I think was closed off. Like these mono red prowess decks are very, very good. And they were able to win through Uro in a lot of instances. And now you're taking that away. The controlling decks are definitely playing a turn behind in both life and resources. So I'm curious what you do when these decks with the ability to be super aggressive are really, really unlocked. Well, like I said, the the format had these turn two, turn three combo decks, and it had these super late game decks. And it just meant that things like Fatal Push didn't really accomplish a whole lot. And Mm. now... With, with these angles, you know, not necessarily covered, being a little bit back to normal, more in line, now you're facing down, like, turn three Karn. Like, that's way more palatable, right? You can expect there to be more creature decks and, therefore, more spot removals. So I, I think that Prowess is still very good, and just iterations of that, right? Like Burn and Rakdos Death Shadow, like Scourge mm-hmm. of the Skyclaves type of stuff. But, like, removal is unbanned, effectively. Yeah, that, that's a big first step into making a format feel like actual magic. And modern has not felt like real magic for a very long time. No, it really played up the the two ships passing in the night thing that we used to use to describe the format. And it's like, oh, we didn't know no, how we didn't good know we how had, good it, we had it If I would give anything to play like Phoenix Mirrors again. Like I was so much closer to reality than what we've dealt with since really the banning of Phoenix uh, by proxy when Faithless Looting was removed. That was really the, the first step in a direction that I did not foresee coming. Right. So I don't know, things like Jun's uh, Amulet, I think that these decks are certainly going to be back and modern is going to look like it did probably like a year or two ago with some new toys and we just get to like rediscover where does like dryad of the elysian grove fit in and skyclave Mm. apparition and things like that like these new prints that are a little bit more in line with what everything else was in modern and uh i guess like season pyromancer is like another good example of that right where it, it showed up in some spots but a lot of the time it's like well if you're playing a deck with that card that isn't also trying to like turn two blood moon your opponent. You're you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a lot of doing it wrong in modern. I think the the realistic possibilities were much slimmer than the metagame would have indicated. And uh, now, hopefully, all those decks get to blossom again and take up some more space. Is is there anything else that you would have liked to see here? Uh, that's such a slippery slope with modern. I know, like I know. I, I could go way deeper, but like there, there's always a balance in these moves that we just talked about, and you have to be careful how much you chop off. And I think it's funny. I, I, I think Modern was at its best for all the complaining we did when it had its three pillars, Mox Opal, Ancient Stirrings, Faithless Looting. I, I just think like that was a really good identity for Modern to base itself around. And I think it was Autumn I saw a post on Twitter today about how these announcements are very reflective of the idea of identity. Like having distinct identities for all of these different formats as opposed to just being Uro everywhere. And that was something Modern always had, which it completely lacks right now. So you have to, when you're making these decisions, you have to both preserve identities and keep gameplay fresh. 
And I think if you keep stretching, the closer, the more and more cards you ban, the closer you get to carving away the central identity of modern. I think this stuff that was removed today did a good job. Like Feel of the Dead was starting to border on the identity of modern, but not in a good way. So I, I am happy to see that go. As, as far as other things I would have taken, I just would have looked to carve more degeneracy off and reinforce the pillars. And I would have looked at unbanning Faithless Looting and Mox Opal. I, I really think those cards are good to have in the format. I, it was Arkham's Astrolabe that was the problem, and getting rid of that makes Mox Opal closer to acceptable. Even if, like, I agree the card is problematic on rate, but, like, it's problematic in the same way Brainstorm is. It, it's it's really good, but you have to pay a sizable deck-building cost, and everyone knows it's coming, so you just kind of account for it, and your payoffs aren't as good. And granted, as you print more and more cards, doing things like that, it breaks over and over, and that's, I think, why we saw Mox Opal, why we saw Faithless Looting go. But if you shape things around those interactions, it at least gives you an idea of what to target going forward. And to, again, go back to the ship metaphor, modern has just felt rudderless for the past year. I have no idea what's driving it, what its direction is, what its intended goal is. And at least back in the pre-banning of Faithless Looting Mox Opal era, it had an identity. Yeah, it's interesting because looting and opal were cards that were on my watch list. And obviously they're not as egregious as the mean spirit guide, because in the best case scenarios, what you're doing with Opal and looting is still interacting with your opponent just in varying degrees, right? Like Marty Pyromancer yeah. is yep. a Phoenix. Like they, they use looting as a brainstorm effectively. And like in, in some instances, maybe you're, you're generating like a little bit of card advantage, a little bit of mana advantage. If you get to bring back like an Arclight Phoenix for free or something, but it's these small increments and you're not doing degenerate things. And that's only what Simeon Spirit Guide does. Yeah. H Hogak was the real test of that idea. And certainly that card did degenerate things, but it, it's gone. It was a mistake. And like, uh, there's a lot of, in the modern format, I think there's been a lot of pain, really high costs for mistakes that have now been removed, like Astrolabe, like Hogak. And it, it has affected the identity of modern to its core. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about where before Modern was, okay, this is the turn four format. And as more and more time goes on, more cards get printed, it definitely starts to lose that identity because there are still things like Neoform, Gristlebrand in the format that are just always going to be able to break that paradigm. So I mm -hmm. don't think that that is Modern's identity currently. And at the very least, if the format is defined by these pillars – Maybe you love them, maybe you hate them, but I, I'm kind of coming around to the idea that the Trinity that you talked about earlier was like maybe just a good place for modern to be, even if I fundamentally disagree with like those cards being in the format. At yeah. least it at least it has an identity. The devil you know, right? Like <laughs> the devil you know yeah. is sometimes better than the devil you don't. And uh, I think that was the case there. Yeah, it's also more interesting when it is a thing like Ancient Stirrings, Faithless Looting, Mox Opal. Like these, these were cards that have existed for a long time and hadn't really shown up in standard because the tools weren't there. Yeah. So maybe you tried to make Faithless Looting work with Unburial Rites or something, or you tried to do, you know, Mox Opal based things, but like fell a little bit short. You were tier two. Now you actually get to make that thing happen in modern. And modern definitely should be kind of like a snapshot of like the various points in magic's history. Right. But when the new best things are all coming from standard decks and 
you know, like we said, things like Teferi, Wilderness Reclamation, they slowly make their their way backwards. And you just have to deal with these things all at the same time. You are not differentiating the formats from themselves. Like you would much rather have modern power level come from older cards rather than new ones because oh, of yeah. nostalgia and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm on board. Maybe it is just unban those two and like they, they kind of suck. Maybe they'll be busted eventually. Maybe eventually they'll have to go and you'll have to just maybe decide that something else should be a core tenant of modern's identity, but think it would probably help at least in the short term. I think so too, uh, but uh, they don't, they don't leave us in charge. So we will just continue to make reactions to the announcements and, and not try and shape the policy. Deal. Legacy. Arkham's Astrolabe, Oko Thief of Crowns, Dreadhorde Arcanist, all banned. Yeah. Good. I, I think all of these announcements are good. Like that's that's the the core. Like they all these formats desperately needed a shakeup. They're all fine. So what we're debating is like, is this the best way to go about it? And that's always going to be up for debate. But I, it's odd to give Uro the pass here. That's really what I come back to. And let's read this last paragraph here. Finally, we did discuss banning Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, and Legacy as well, but we feel its power level is more in line with the overall power level of Legacy as compared to Historic, Pioneer, and Modern. The bar is high for what three and four mana spells need to accomplish in Legacy, and we believe Uro can coexist as a competitive but not dominant option. Additionally, the bans of Oko Thief of Crowns and Arkham's Astrolabe should significantly decrease the metagame share of existing decks that Uro naturally slots into. I agree with all of that. I don't think there's any incorrect statement there. I just think you go for the head and you, you don't let this problem continue to exist in real magic formats. The animosity this card has built up is so tremendous that I just want to take one shot at it, have this be the Euro announcement, let it go. And I don't, This maybe this is going to be a controversial statement. I, I would rather see Oko in Legacy than I would see Euro. And I, I know that's weird because Oko is the better card. I, I think that's pretty clear. But a Planeswalker in Legacy is still more interesting to me than a recursive threat. And like Pyroblast is a real card. It, it checks Oko pretty well nothing really checks Uro. Like, granted, there's swords to plowshares, but it, it, it's not the same. Like, you you still are getting something from your Uro. And I think there are meaningful ways to contest Oko. To say nothing to the fact that, like, format's really fast, and Oko doesn't unlock your mana the way Uro does. So oftentimes, to play catch-up, if you're looking to play fair, you need to have these larger turns with more options, more cards available to you. Oko doesn't really accomplish that. It's kind of like a, a tempo tool, where it certainly puts you ahead on board. It certainly answers what your opponent is doing. And like I said, unquestionably, a, a better magic card, I think, but more in line with the way Legacy is historically played than Uro is. I don't know how widely shared the sentiment will be, and... To be honest, most of my focus has been on standard and limited formats recently. So I haven't played a ton of Legacy. I've dabbled, but not a huge amount. So if I'm totally off base, people are allowed to send me angry tweets or whatever. But for my money, I, I would have gone after Uro as opposed to Oko. Yeah, it's interesting because Astrolabe definitely, like once Astrolabe is banned, that is an Oko nerf. It's a significant Oko nerf because mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have... Yeah, you don't necessarily have these random artifacts around that <laughs> cost you basically nothing to put in your deck and put into play. And 
Uh, Astrolite being gone would certainly be a nerf to Uro as well, because basic forest doesn't really accomplish a whole lot for you, especially, you know, maybe Oko's out of the picture too, right? So that opens you up to things like Wasteland and Blood Moon, like actually being significant against Uro. So I, I, I honestly don't know what direction they should have gone. I think that Oko is is cool and I kind of would have liked to see it in legacy basically just like by itself, but it, it definitely has the ubiquity problem, right? Where it shows up in Delver, it shows up in control decks, the, even the, the Valky cascade decks were just like, well, what's my plan B? Oh, I guess it's Oko. You just okay. play four Okos, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of silly. I think that realistically Oko and Uro would both have to go at some point. Maybe that's true. And and maybe we'll still experience that with Uro uh, in the future. It's, it's just like for cleanliness sake with this announcement, I think it makes more sense to go after Uro first and leave Oko around. But uh, if they both have to go at some point anyway, then you're right. I mean, hit it here. And I, you're probably fighting a losing battle trying to keep Oko as part of your formats. It's just a problematic problematic card and previously i said where a card is problematic just take care of it everywhere so it's hard for me to with a straight face make a case for oko the card never felt as miserable to me as uro did like i i played interesting oko games i commentated a lot of interesting oko games uh i mostly didn't feel the same way with uro and maybe i have some inherent bias against uro versus oko but uh, yeah, I doubt many tears will be shed for this Bladeswalker either. So I I do think that there were a lot of games where Oko was involved where I just actively learned something yeah. based on yeah. when the player chose to cast it and how they chose to use it and what their game plans were surrounding it. And Uro is basically just the same thing every time. And that that definitely is repetitive and boring and just on top of like the power level reasons and everything just adds to how awful it is in every format and the things that it does to every format. Learning something is a really great way of putting it. I, I like that assessment. It, so it is, it is cool to me. I, I kind of have like a fond spot in, in my heart for Oko, but at the same time, it's just like, I don't know that if I'm someone who is, played this game professionally. I've played for 20 years. Like I, I like to think that I'm capable of seeing, you know, what my options are in any given turn. And I still watch someone like play the card differently. It's like, is that a, like a net positive thing for magic where it's just like, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you're commentating these games and you're like, Oh, that's, that's like really interesting. And it is interesting to you, but is it interesting to, to viewers or players? Because, I, I certainly felt it when I was under the gun from an Oko, right? Where it's like trying to figure out what your counterplay is going to be. And there, there's just too many options for the Oko player where it removes counterplay a lot of the time. Yeah. You know? So it's like that That part is also just very frustrating. So I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for me to actually say that it's like a pro or a con. Like for, for me as a viewer, seeing interesting stuff happen, cool for me as someone uh, casting the Oko cool, I like it, it's powerful, it solves all my problems, it kills my opponents, whatever. But as maybe like a less enfranchised player or someone who's playing against Oko or you're playing an Oko mirror match against someone who is more experienced, it's just like, is this actually good? Or like you're trying to do cool things with your deck and your opponent has an Oko, obviously that's a problem too. 
Yeah, it's really challenging to fight on Oko's side, isn't it? Like you can see some shreds of argument for it remaining, and then you think about a lot of this stuff going on. It it's hard. It's hard to make a good case for this card remaining. I don't know. Maybe I just wanted one last home for my beautiful full art shiny Yokos, but now I know they are forever put in my collection box, never to come out for any reason whatsoever. You have to build a cube or something, you know? Something, something to get some use out of these things. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you're like, well, I want Oko to have a home, but Uro should just be banning everything. And it's like, I kind of I kind of feel the same way, but realistically, they're they're basically the same card. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm playing favorites, like I said, and, and I have a lot of bias with where I'm, I'm lying, but they are very similar cards and both deserve to just be unprinted wholesale. Yep. Uh, what about Dreadhorde Arcanist? Because maybe unpopular opinion time, I don't think that this card is ban worthy. I don't think so either. And, and I actually love this card. But at the same time, it's like, do you want to take down the Delver decks a notch? Probably. You don't want to just let everyone default to that being the best deck. I, th- I think you still can, though. That's the problem with hitting Arcanist. Is it's a weird thing to go after if you're looking to trim down Delver. Because first of all, there's like variants of Delver that don't even use Arcanist that you can go to. M- many variants. And if Delver has shown anything, it's... It's adaptability. It can take on many, many different forms. So I didn't find Arcanist either a frustrating or problematic card to play against. I I thought it was often very interesting and very fun to play with and against. It was vulnerable to everything. It got bolted. It got plowed. uh, Abrupt decayed. Every single form of removal. It got Certainly shut down. It it got blocked. Yeah, great point. Uh, it, It just wasn't... It, it never felt like the best possible card. It felt like a very valuable member of the support team. And there were times even when like I had access to the colors that I would just be like, well, maybe this isn't the moment for Arcanist. And there's something else that should be being done in this spot. So this one is shocking, but I get wanting to hit Delver and maintain identity, right? Like this is an important thing if you're going to say Delver is part of Legacy. It's an extremely part, big part of the identity of this format. Players expect it. We want to preserve it. But it can't just be by far the best thing to do. So what do you go after? You can't go after Delver. You can't go after Brainstorm. You're certainly not going after Force of Will. These are all the pillars of legacy at this point. So you got to find a secondary victim. And if that's your goal, I do think Arcanist makes some sense, even as much as I love the card. I suppose that is true. Uh, again, in the article... They write, ultimately, the community sentiment we've heard is that Dreadhorde Arcanist makes gameplay revolve around it too early in the game, and too many games come down to whether an opponent can immediately remove it. I don't think that that's a bad thing. No, I don't think so either, and I, I don't really agree with that assessment either, because the first time it can exert any influence on the game is on turn three. And, like, well, theoretically, it could certainly go earlier than that, but realistically, the first time it exerts any influence on the game is on turn three. And in Legacy, that's forever. Like, there's so many windows to do things. You could have cast multiple brainstorms and had multiple counter wars by that part point. And certainly all your removal is online. It's not like we're playing murder or anything. Like, we're, we're fine. We'll be able to answer the Arcanist. And does it have a snowballing effect? Sure, a- absolutely. But, like, in some ways, every threat has a snowballing effect. It's just a question of how severe it is. Like, Delver is a snowballing card. If you've played Delver decks, you understand what the pressure of flipping a turn one Delver does to every subsequent turn of the game. It changes how your opponent has to play. And it snowballs. Now, the snowball from Dreadhorde Arcanist is certainly more facial, 
but it does often ter- come a turn later and feels a, just as vulnerable as Delver does. So I, I just think this is an identity identity thing, really. You have to hit something in Delver, and this is the next best candidate. Like, if I gave you that task, I said, Jerry, make Delver worse. Can you come up with another option that does so without going to the core identity of the deck? Well, this is, we are getting rid of Oko, so make Delver worse, right? Yeah. I I guess, I mean, like, you can't, you can't, like, Ban Ponder because then they'll just play more preordains. You can't yep. ban Brainstorm because it's part of the the, the format. You can't yep. do Days Wasteland stuff. So like, yeah, sure, I guess that kind of makes sense. But like, it's obviously Arcanist is very very good. But you know, going back to Tarmogoyf or whatever doesn't change that much. I mean, obviously you're mm-hmm. you're making it so that Delver now is like dealing in damage rather than potentially fighting a control deck on card advantage. So you're certainly removing a valuable part of their repertoire or whatever, but I don't know, man, to to me, it's just like, this is a two mana threat. If it attacks once, you're probably pretty far ahead. If it attacks twice, like the game is over. I mean, you could usually say the same for something like Tarmogoyf. Yeah. I think you could put that case together. Also, there's like, a ready-made replacement in Young Pyromancer, one that has like filled this role before pretty well, and then things move more towards Cabal Therapy, which like seems like a better card in the absence of Oko, although Uro still being around like does a little bit to invalidate those type of approaches. So it's it's interesting. It's an interesting decision. It's not my favorite decision in these announcements, but I understand the desire to do something there. And if we're going to push for them to take decisive broad action and try and keep metagames in a place where we want to actively engage with it sometimes they're going to go a little bit broader than we would like and you have to give the leeway to do that as well as like hit the obvious nails on the head so if the option is like do we lose dreadhorde arcanist or do we do nothing here certainly i'll take losing dreadhorde arcanist every time sure yeah i guess i i guess my main point of contention young pyromancer is another good example is that it's not that big of a knock to the deck considering the other threats that they can play. So it's just like the, the, the slightest of nerfs and I would rather just have legacy adapt. It's like, well, you know, maybe without Oko, Uro, Astrolabe, like if more people play Delver, then you get to play more spot removal and like actually interact more. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about a card like this is that you can interact with it, right? Like these, Previously mentioned cards, Uro, you can't really interact with in a lot of ways because it just comes back. Arkham's Astrolabe, it's not worth interacting with, but still has a tremendous effect on the game. Oko is notoriously challenging to interact with. There's ways to do it on the stack, I mentioned, but like in play, it's got such high loyalty that it invalidates most traditional ways of interacting with Planeswalkers. So having something that is vulnerable be a large part of the format. Certainly preferable to something that isn't vulnerable. And again, if you like had to give me which would you rather see banned, Arcanist or Uro, it's Uro by a mile based on all those principles. Yeah, I agree with that too. So, I don't know. Whatever, we'll see. Maybe, I'm kind of like looking at all of this through rose-tinted glasses, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, Modern's going to go back to being dope, even though I've actually kind of enjoyed Modern the last year. Uh, legacy will go back to being dope, whatever. Maybe these are all just the best possible changes. I don't know. Uh, regardless, they are definitely all positive. I agree with you there. It, it is very much just, you know, arguing about the minutia 
And yep. who who really cares? Like, we'll, no, we'll figure it that's out. That's what we do, right? That's what magic players do is argue about the minutia. And I think as long as you take all these conversations with like a theoretical bent and you understand like you, you can't solve all the problems, it's just interesting to discuss what informs these decisions and potential ways to go forward in the future and know that the important thing is that something was done. It, it, certainly, I'll take anything over just sitting around and letting these formats rot, which it feels like they've been doing recently. True. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very happy about this announcement just in general, just because it means that a lot of the problems are gone and things will be different. They'll be fresh, which in the case of a lot of these formats just means going back to how they were in a lot of instances, but it is still better than what we were doing. So I'm yep. happy. Yeah. And you give, like you mentioned, I think you did a great job of highlighting like Skyclave apparition, give these cards that aren't broken, but like have an opportunity to maybe do something to the format, give them their chance, let them have a chance to shine because none of these were ever going to matter while we were cascading to Tybalt on turn one. It, it just couldn't have been a thing in modern. And now maybe we can see what these cards can really do. Yeah. And then finally vintage uh, Luris is on band. I agree with that hundred percent. It didn't really make sense for it to stay banned once they changed the companion rule. Just a clean fix. Probably could have done it a little while ago, but whatever. It's done now. And uh, welcome back, Luris. Glad you get to play Vintage. Yeah, I don't know if it actually gets to, but we'll see. Uh, I, I'm sure it will have occasional homes. Uh, the opportunity cost is low enough that you'll find places where Luris can shine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are expensive permanents that a lot of decks rely on in Vintage. So it's it's certainly not the auto-included previously was when you have this significant cost attached to it right so uh i guess i i like luris being unbanned for the same reason i would prefer arcanists were not banned for one of the reasons it's just like a eh, smaller ban list you know it's just net positive yeah also identity again like vintage is play as many cards as possible so let luris free yeah as many one ofs as possible yes yes that is the key so a slightly shorter episode this week. I uh, definitely wanted to just get this out as soon as possible because big changes, all that stuff. Uh, we will still be doing Sealed later this week for the Arena PTQ. And uh, Brian, I hate you for making me play Sealed. This has been truly heinous. I don't believe you. Come on. It's been that bad. It's been pretty bad. We can talk about it more on Wednesday or whenever we record. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. I'm enjoying my time playing Sealed, so we'll have competing viewpoints, and uh, we'll be happy to share with all our listeners and get them ready for this weekend's Arena Open. As long as one of us is happy. Good. That's what matters. Game. Good luck.